And the thing that I held on to the longest was actually my body. So I, I'm actually about to graduate from medical school and I'm a 32-year-old virgin. And then on top of all that, I was secretly gay. And I knew that from the time I was 10. And like when I had that realization, the first thought I had was hide this. Viewing my sexuality and so therefore myself, because you can't really separate those two. Viewing it almost like it's a like a rabid dog on a chain. You know, that you always have to keep away, you know, don't get near it, don't deal with it. This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual D and reconstruction. Season 2, Episode 19 Sacred Masculine. Yes, I can. Oh, good. Hello. Hi, this is... Hi, this is Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. How about we just jump right in? Tell me... Sounds good. Tell me what's up. Yeah, I'd love to hear about your story, your experience, um, anything that you would like to share. Um, yeah, just want to hear about you and then hear about kind of how you got to us as well. Well, I, I would say, yeah, I, I knew Derek. I mean, I knew his music back in uh, the early 2000s, and I, I was really resonant with his stuff back then. Um, but my deconstruction sort of started back then in mm -hmm. like 2005. And oh, so wow. okay. his voice had always sounded, you know, really, really true to me. Mm -hmm. So I had to sort of stop listening to him back then because I mm -hmm. like needed to like process internally. And we Wow, were so, so you went you so, went on ahead of him. You were kind of forging a path I was before sort of, him. Well, I just felt like I, I was going sort of in a different direction. So yeah, yeah so I, I didn't have any idea that any of the last three to four years had happened to him until about a month ago. Wow. And so it was kind of cool because now I had this voice that, you know, had been so true to me kind of come back in a way that mm. was now kind of resonant again. Wow, uh, that's cool. So it was cool. So, it, you know, so and then, you know, to be invited into conversation with him was also mm. just kind of extra special. So that's awesome. Um, so that's kind of how I got it. I got my, my, my cousin actually was the one who, uh, who sort of said, Hey, do you know, do you, did you know any of this had gone on? I said, no, I had no idea. So, mm -hmm. um, but my, um, my initial faith construction was, was pretty, I say hodgepodge. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was Presbyterian and Foursquare and some campus ministry. <laughs> Foursquare. I forgot about Foursquare. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, you know, so probably less, less fundamental or conservative, but, but still probably dogmatic in their mm -hmm. own, their own way. Well, I was raised, um, uh, pretty small town, um, raised 
just in the in the church, Southern Missionary Baptist Church, mm. and that's what I knew basically my whole life. You know, there all the time, and I think even as even when I was younger, um, some some buddies of mine that grew up in that church with me now, um, we've all we've all walked away from it, mm. and. Looking back on it now, it's it's like we we remember having conversations at times about I don't know. This kind of seems like bullshit. Like you know, and <laughs> really, you guys had yes, those then. Yes, Damn, we had that was those a conversations lot more then. freedom than I felt like I had in my conversations when sure. I was in that environment. That's actually really awesome. Yeah, it was, and I think. I, I mean, we didn't have those conversations with like teenagers. So part of it felt sure. rebellious. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, but but it was very like in a real sense like i remember being a teenager and talking about i mean how, is the earth really only that old you know like right. things like that so so i naturally just kind of put a lot of that aside thinking well you know whatever and not giving it much more thought and 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 so really over the years just a lot of questions being brought up for me that i just kind of just either didn't deal with or justified in some type of band-aid way mm. you know a lot of times it was you know well I, we just don't understand everything that's the way it is god mm. knows we don't and then uh, just you know different things over the years and and then i went i was at a different church and kind of started stepping into a pastoral role mm. not through um, not through official title like associate pastor or anything like that but um but definitely a leader within the church and and speaking uh, you know just again mentoring people discipling people and things like that and I, I think just over the years eventually I came to a point where I said if this if this is true and this is worth devoting my entire life and existence to then I need to make sure of that Sure. So I grew up um, in a fundamentalist Christian church, um, like really, really fundamentalist. Uh, the Bible is the literal word of God and it's, you know, creation was six 24 hour days and mm -hmm. and yeah. so much so that if, if any of these things were doubted or not true, then the whole thing kind of falls apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so that was kind of how, and I know lots of people grew up like that, but yeah. it's interesting because my whole kind of, um, a lot of my family is still there. Um, so I'm really, really kind of the black sheep at this point. Mm. <laughs> um, so I anyway, can resonate with that a bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's hard. Yeah. But anyway, so at this school we had um, Bible class and Bible class was taught by the pastor of our church. Mm. And we were really, it, it, it was like a dispensationalist kind of mm. theology. And so a lot of what we were taught was, um, you know, just w what were these dispensations? What do they mean? Um, that the end time stuff was huge. Um, the rapture was coming. Then there would be this seven year tribulation, then a thousand year millennium. And, and here's why, and here's verses in Daniel and verses in revelation and, and, you know, in the gospels, all these kinds of things. course now that I've been I've been out of it I've had time to to really mm. you know kind of self-assess hindsight yeah yeah and and so I think there was more than just those questions I think there was 
things within me feeling you know just emotions and understanding who I am mm. that was in conflict with things too yes yeah which, which brought up questions as well but yeah. it's so weird and and the, like Calvinism and especially like election and predestination was like for me it was the fatal blow sure. in in my deconstruction or like the mm. beginning of construction all yeah. those years ago um because I'm 46 now so this is like 30 years ago I'm starting mm. to wrestle with this yeah. and um and I just couldn't, I, I remember my best friend's father wasn't saved. And back then everything was about who was saved and who yeah. wasn't. Um, and we were always praying for him and, and, you know, trying to witness to him and stuff. And I remember kind of learning that, that God chooses the Christians from before the foundations of the world. That this is, you know, something he decides. Yeah. It's really out of his hands. Um, and so I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that my best friend's dad was like not chosen by God, yeah. but still going to be punished forever for this thing that he didn't choose. Yep. And he couldn't, in fact, choose, right. but he was going to be held responsible for it. And yeah. I know this is a classic you know, problem for people, but it, it has messed with me ever since. And it, it, it was so compelling and no one could ever, ever give me a good answer. And I read books and books and I really studied that. And the whole the problem of hell was a big problem for me. Mm -hmm. Like how, what about these people across the world who never heard the gospel? Right. It's how we were responsible for that, you know, because we hadn't told them, I guess. And so they were going to go to hell forever. And I was such a soft hearted little boy and such a, I, I just desperately loved Jesus and wanted everyone to know him and be saved and be safe in heaven someday. Um, so that really, really bothered me for, for a, a lot of years. So, you know, what, what I, I usually illustrate, you know, the construction was sort of like building a house uh, from the inside and people mm -hmm. sort of come in and say, you know, put a wall here and put a door here and, mm -hmm. and, and you're sort of trying to make sense of it from the inside. And then you have people come in who sort of say, uh, do, do, have you looked at your house from the outside? And, you know, <laughs> and I would say, you know, well, no, they, I was told, you know, not to go out there. I didn't have to go out there or, or that it might even be dangerous to go mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so back then I sort of had this trifecta of crises that hit me kind of at once. And mm -hmm. it was, it, I was in my second year of medical school. Um, and so that was kind of, you know, stressful and, mm. and way. And I was going through a, a breakup with a girl back mm -hmm. home, kind of long distance. Yeah. And, and then I started having this really bad back pain sciatica for which wow. I needed surgery. Wow. So, um, so it was kind of, you know, mind, body, spirit kind yes. of all came down at once. Absolutely. Yep. So I go to school for weeks and uh, I was lying in the back of the amphitheater when I could go to class. <laughs> I was wow. taking a lot of Vicodin that year um, and, you know, for physical pain, but also probably mm -hmm. for other pains as well. And mm -hmm. uh, it's like, all right, God, well, like time to show up, you know, right. if it, yeah. uh, everything I've heard about you is true. And, and what I've publicly said about you is true. Then, then shouldn't you be doing something about this? <laughs> uh, what, what a great opportunity. And, and not to be like, you know, I need my circumstances fixed right away or I shouldn't ever experience pain, but just like, it just felt silent. Yeah. Uh, you know, I 
I'd go to church kind of feeling pain in my whole being and just feeling no relief. And So it kind of feels like even like that silence is almost like a rejection rather than like the compassion that you needed. You didn't even necessarily need, like you said, to be never experience pain or to be healed in that moment, but you just kind of needed the comfort of the presence. And if yeah. that doesn't show up, then it feels like just rejection by, you know, right. by omission. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so kind of, so I think that lit the slow fuse and then, you know, so kind of fast forward four years and, and, and I really like, you know, Derek uses this, you know, pulling things up by the root and or pulling it up by the root and looking in. And, and I think that for me, it was sort of, it sounds sort of silly, but maybe more of kind of like a garden of sort of themes or phases and mm. kind of one by one. And for me, the easiest thing to pull up was actually my emotional connection to it. That was actually the easiest thing to pull up. And, yeah. and, and the thing that I held on to the longest, which was kind of the most interesting, at least kind of looking back, was actually my body. Hmm. So I didn't want to pull that thing up. So I, I'm actually about hmm. to graduate from medical school, and wow. I'm a 32-year-old virgin. Wow. So, so I, you know, I'm, so, I'm supposed yeah. to be the, the, the expert of the human body, hmm. but... Even really know, you know, my own body. What a fascinating thing for you to recognize within yourself. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so it's so. I mean, I, I sort of. Again, I never really had any good answers. I, 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 I began to have less good answers for why mm-hmm. it, I was still like holding out, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, it's a month before I'm graduating from med school, and I'm actually in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And I had been working at a network of HIV clinics there. So, you know, the, the virgin medical student working in the <laughs> HIV clinic. <laughs> so, so I'm actually, I'm at the Nairobi airport coming home and I, I meet this girl in the customs line mm-hmm. and she had been there traveling and we get to chatting and we chat more in London at our layover. And then she flies to one coast and I fly to the other coast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, long story short, we actually start dating long distance. Mm-hmm. And two, you know, two-ish months later, we're, you know, we're long distance trying to keep in touch. And um, But sex is on the table. Yeah. And, and I, I have to tell her, well, you see, I, I'm sort of, uh, you know, and her eyes get super wide. <laughs> and, you know, but she was amazing. I mean, we talked yeah. through a lot of Good. it. And Good. Again, I didn't have any great answers to why. But in the background, I'm still thinking to myself, you know, my like my body is like the have control over in this like it's the only thing I can point to as mm-hmm. proof that I that I still believe you know even when wow. I probably didn't anymore but it was like this sort of black and white thing and yeah. and once I pull this up like there was something that felt really final about it mm. uh, but almost like uh, like two sides of the same coin I realized oh my body is the only thing I have control over in this wow um, so uh, I lost my virginity to this girl I met in the customs line of the Nairobi airport. That's actually and, awesome. <laughs> and, you know, spoiler alert, she's now my wife. There you go. Six years. Oh, cool. um, but, but, you know, I think back to the night it happened. Mm. Um, and I remember lying there still totally falling in love with her. Mm. Um, but I also remember feeling so totally and just completely alone mm. at the same time. Mm. Um, and what in what way what 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 kind of aloneness yeah, it was it was like the, the this thing that i thought that i was waiting for mm-hmm. or that i was holding out for mm-hmm. um like not only was was it not there but like he didn't really care whether or not i went through with it in the first place right yeah um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that's kind of the the legacy 
that I was sort of left with was just kind of that that just like profound moment of loneliness. Um, and so, you know, I think over the next few days, I sort of I sort of pulled up that last plant in the garden and, you know, essentially sort of walked away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that I mean, that, that I think that's sort of the sort of bookended story. And then it's just been really great now because, you know, I didn't really know that, you know, any of this conversation kind of existed about mm. deconstruction. Like I was using that language, but I didn't yeah. really, there wasn't. I, I totally resonate with it, you know, there not being a place to, like, process through it and all yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. So, so, you know, so I still feel like, you know, there's parts of me, you know, I still long to know what is true. You know, that has not changed. Um, I think that kind of, that, that sort of sometimes what drives people to church in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but it it just kind of continues to persist. And I think, you know, I kind of came to the realization that, church and Christianity may not be just fully satisfying mm. it. And I think, yeah, I, I think, I think that seeking out what is true draws as many people to the church as it does draws them out eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. Cause I, I think, I think the church thinks it's supposed to like, it's like, Oh, now you found the truth. So praise the Lord. Like you're longing for the truth is, is quenched now, mm, you know, it's, it's right. like, well, well, you know, what if it's what if it's not? And what if uh, I don't feel that? And you're telling me it yeah. is, but the, I don't actually have an experiential, like right. embodied reality of the way that that. Because we all know what it what it feels. And this is something I talk about with my clients a lot, where um, kind of things that feel true in your body and things that feel inaccurate. We all know what that's like. We all know when we hear something, we're like, yes, that is correct, or no, that is incorrect. We we have like a body-based reaction to correct and incorrect, true and false. And so there is, with that being just kind of an innate, innate ability that we have, there can be this absolute confusion for so many people who are inside of this very authoritarian um, structure that's telling you we have what is true. We have we have the corner on the market of what is true. Um, and you're inside of it and you're doing all the right things and you're saying all the right things and that feeling of truth never actually lands in your body. You're saying the words, you kind of have the right thoughts, you have the right, everything is lined up. Like you, ha- it looks correct on the outside and yet that feeling of this, this is it, never really arrives. Um, and that's that's an extremely confusing, um, extremely confusing experience. And like I said, I think I, it leads as many out as it does as it can, and often does lead in. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on top of all that, I was secretly gay, and I knew that mm-hmm. from the time I was ten. Yeah. Uh, and I just like when I had that realization the first thought I had was hide this, but, oh, you know, anyone know, because it just, you know, fundamentalist church and school in Indiana, it just was not, and you know, this is the 80s, like 1982. So you're getting all kinds of messages on what it means to be a gay man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that terminology wasn't really even used right. back then. Right. Um, but I knew I was sick and broken and, oh. you know, it just really an abomination. Um, and so that really, and it's weird because like all these years later, now I'm out, now whatever, and that's been quite a journey that we have no time for. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm just now, just now starting to kind of begin to get in touch with the trauma yeah. that that I, I think even now experience like in my body. <laughs> I yes, think you are talking body. to the right person about that, friend. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I've been, I've just been realizing like, oh my gosh, I broke down and sobbed a couple days ago as I was thinking about this. Like the, um, the, 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 the pain I think that I still even carry in my body. It's, it's weird. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I can't really describe it, but, Absolutely. Um, but I'm starting to get like angry and sad and, mm-hmm. and feel all of those things. Um, as I continue to kind of process this, because my public coming out has only been a year and a half ago. Oh, so okay, okay, so recently. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I mean, like that body trauma of it, I think, is one of the most crucial components that a lot of people miss. Because mm-hmm. and this is something I talk about with my clients a lot. It's like we we cognitively dismiss these concepts that we are raised with and that like it rooted in us during our formative years. And then we think we're good because we're like, nah, I just don't believe it anymore. And we make ourselves kind of feel better for not believing it. And the further away from the belief in it that we move, the further away from it that we get, the the harder it is for us to kind of check back in with our bodies and realize that there are embodied and, and physiological consequences to those angry or fearful or limited beliefs that we not only had happening up in our brains, but that we stored in our bodies in the way they made us feel. So things from like rapture anxiety or like the purity culture messages of like having to internalize that your flesh was bad and that you could fall into sin. And then of course, for your experience or for anyone in the LGBTQ community, like knowing who they are and and having to kind of, you know, go one step further with the my flesh is bad my body is evil and to like internalize this even deeper message within their bodies like there's physical physiological repercussions for what happens to us on a psychological level and there there's vast psychological trauma within being raised inside a fundamentalist religion and in the realm of how we are socialized taught is is appropriate to relate to ourselves so the further away we get from it in our heads the harder it can be to actually reckon with like you're saying the the real legitimate embodied trauma that it has caused us yeah i've had i think this is really interesting and i'm i'm just kind of realizing it um so i mean just to tell it quickly i came out 15 years ago mm-hmm. to my wife, to some people in my church who were kind of like, I was full-time worship minister in a church for a long, long time. Um, and I had gotten married, had four children. I mean, I was like totally playing the part. Yeah. Um, and I had this season of like real hopefulness back in the early 2000s where I really thought that um, that I could be healed, that, that I could get mm. fixed. And so I went into several years of kind of uh, I mean, you could call it ex-gay therapy and um, marriage counseling and 12-step sex addict groups. And even though I know now I'm not a sex addict, I, I really thought that Dude, the um, Honestly, the amount of us that grew up in evangelicalism that at some point were convinced that we are sex addicts <laughs> simply because we are thinking about sex and we are taught that the right way to be human is to not think about sex. It's fucking right. crazy. It's oh truly crazy. Yeah. It, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so during those years, um, man, I worked so hard and my wife and I were very committed to trying to make this work. And I honestly look back and think we had a pretty healthy marriage, like given yeah. all the challenges, we had a really happy and healthy marriage and family. But um, um, anyway, eventually over a lot of years, it kind of hand in hand with my deconstruction of faith kind of came this this uh, 
this need to come out and to leave my marriage and to try to start a new life. So I, I did that. But it's it's interesting. Um, all those years of like training myself to uh, to shut down yeah. what was real and true about myself, like yep. actually conditioning myself to if I felt a romantic thought for a man or if I had a physical attraction or if I felt tender or loving toward a man yeah. to like shame myself and stop it and it's really weird because like I've realized the ex-gay kind of world uh, they, they were good at like helping me not feel shame about my attractions right mm-hmm. they would be like just another that's just another temptation just right. like anything any so old I, thing yeah. yeah I really embraced that and it made me feel better like okay I don't mm-hmm. have to be ashamed yeah. of the fact that I'm lusting after this guy um, but the place where I realize now it's interesting is like if I had tender thoughts, if I had romantic thoughts, if I had loving thoughts, things that I now realize are healthy and good, those are the things that were like totally shamed. Like, what? How disgusting. How could you, how could you feel tender or loving toward another man? Like, I get, like, feel horny toward a man, but, but to feel like loving, like you want to embrace or spend your life with someone, that's kind of awful. You know what I mean? God. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like the, the shutting down my identity and my, my feelings. Um, I realized when I came out, like intellectually, I was there. I was like, yes, this is cool. All is well. I'm going to date men. I'm going to like have a new life. But, but I realized when I came out how, how shut down and afraid I was of any kind of, uh, any kind of interaction with, with gay men, any kind of physical contact for, for sure. Um, and I had, you know, I was one of these guys who was really, really faithful and I was not out fooling around and whatever. I mean, not that that makes me any better, but, but I just didn't, I didn't have that experience. And so when I finally was able to date or, or experience any kind of relationship with a man, it was really scary. And I found like I I was kind of shutting down physically because I had trained myself so well for so many years to do that. Um, so it was like my body was betraying me, this Mm. thing that is so, I couldn't, feel it. Um, and one illustration of that, that I think is so interesting. I started going to this MCC church in San Francisco, which is Metropolitan Community Church. And okay. it's a queer church mm-hmm. and they're, they have communion every single Sunday and they have over the years, because they were so instrumental in that like fight against, um, HIV and AIDS and so welcoming of people all those years during the AIDS crisis. Um, they have a real culture of touch and physical affection. Mm-hmm. And, because they just wanted to fight that all those yes. years and people feel welcome. But I felt so like, I don't know, so weird about it. And and every Sunday they have communion and I would go up and they would serve me communion. And then their, their tradition is to like hug you, hold mm. you while they pray a blessing in your ear. And so this man who was one of the pastors would like hug me and like I could feel his beard on my face wow. and he's like praying in my ear. But I felt like so rigid and tense and like I, I, I couldn't relax. I felt right. um, like this is wrong. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't in my brain thinking this is wrong, but I, I just felt like it was, you know right. what I mean? Your body snaps back into all those messages yes. you had been required to believe in order to survive. You will not believe, yes. but internalize in order to yes. survive. And so he remembers, your body remembers like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Again, so even though your brain is like, I've moved beyond this, your body's like, I haven't yet. I have trauma here and I need to express that somehow and complete the cycle of this trauma. So when you're in that moment, it truly does feel like your brain and your body are at war with one another. 
And so for like the next two months, every time I would like make myself, cause I, I could tell what was happening. And so I was like, just relax, like lean into him, like just let him hug you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, I had to talk my way through it. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Until I was comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it just is so interesting to me how that was so foreign and so difficult for me, uh, even though my brain was 100% there. Right. You know? Yep. Exactly. That's a, that's everything that you just said is a very spot on way to describe trauma. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Black eyes, but I'm gonna paint for your protection to cover the tracks that you So then, really what that did for me, it challenged me, but what it did, it freed me up to then just mm-hmm. really face those questions. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And then start to face, like I said, self-assessment. You know, like just the one, I think one of the underlying problems I've always had was ever since I have, could remember, I have been raised to believe that I have sin nature, I'm a wretch, right. I'm a terrible person, uh-huh. there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have it. Yeah. And and when you really face that in a different way, because you face it, you hear about it all the time. Yeah, you internalize it, you swallow it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, but and so it's like you you internalize it and go, well, yeah, but that's that's why that's so, so good that God loves me because right. I am so terrible. Oh. And you see it almost in a positive way. Right. You see that fucking thing that is a positive way. I'm so terrible. Oh, I've got you years know? of journal entries that say that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so now looking at it from different ways, like, whoa, if that's, that's not, that does not sit with me well. Yeah. That does not, you that's know. That's not the me that I feel like I know that I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then uh, another uh, piece of that is just, just sexuality in general. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. was always bad. Like, in, in, you know, it was just bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was just wrong. Yeah. Um, even within a even within a marriage sense, yeah. Most of the time, like within their own belief, most of the time it's viewed as do this to satiate. Right. Yes, that's a you know? perfect way to put it. There's not really any language of exploration or pleasure. It's very utilitarian. Nope. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Um, and so, just I don't know. I think a lot of years of viewing myself and, and my sexuality and so therefore myself yeah. because you can't really separate those you things. are correct sir and when you try <laughs> it is not good for you <laughs> yeah so viewing it almost like it's a like a i mean I don't, this just sounds seems weird but like like a rabid dog on a chain yeah you know that you mm-hmm. always have to keep away you know mm-hmm. don't get near it don't right. deal with it don't right. you know and um so my so my wife and I we've been married for it'll be sixteen years. Jesus. Um, soon, yeah. I think yeah. I must have missed that piece of information last time we talked. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been wow. a while, and it, it's it's been great because she's kind of been on a journey with me. She's not in, in the exact same place, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we had we had an awesome uh, moment not too long ago where just she she is she has some some issues physical issues um uh and again i don't want to go into too much but sure. she's got endometriosis oh god oh no yeah 
so it, it you know causes a lot of discomfort so and things for her sometimes yeah yeah and i mean she's just gone through a lot of shit with it just mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff and she's i mean she's just a super strong woman yeah. and um so there was just a moment where it was kind of like she was going well you know i mean we haven't done it in a while kind of thing yeah. and <laughs> And I, it was just, it was just all of a sudden this month, it was almost like a light bulb clicked on in my head for the first time. Not that I ever really didn't think this way or, or at least express it this way, but I just wasn't clear about it. But I'm, I'm like, you know, I want both of us to be free from what we have been raised to mm. believe. Hell yeah. And I want me to be free from feeling guilty for my sexuality even within you know what's considered the right right way or whatever yeah and i want her to be free from this fucked up idea that it is her job to satiate that yo look i am i'm getting emotional on this end um it is so good to hear a man say that as a woman it's so Mm -hmm. Good. And knowing the background that you and I both come from, sure, it's yeah. so good not only just as a woman to hear a man say that, but to know that there is a woman who has heard a man say that to her. Yeah. That has heard the man that she loves say that to her. That's huge. That's huge. Thank you yeah. for that. Like on behalf of all women, <laughs> thank you for that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, uh, you're welcome, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I, no, it was it was very emotional for both of us. It was like a very, like just great like emotional bonding moment for both of us because, yeah. like we, you know, we both want freedom for each other from from these things and yes. just to be, and to be there for each other in it too and, and all that stuff. It was just and the so what what I guess was an important thing I took away from that was. I never experienced that within the church. Yes. Because that's did such not a human that. moment. That's yeah. such a beautifully human moment. And human moments, by and large, are not allowed. Or, or at least, you know, no, allowed might be an yeah. intense language for it, but they're certainly not cultivated. Yeah. Well, it's because humanity is all fucked up. So exactly. we're, you know, we're, us at our core, like we're so, the human part of ourselves is the bad part of ourselves. Yes. 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 Right. And I, I know I've heard it somewhere. I know I've heard it said, said somewhere, but like we are so awful and we're such wretches that God literally had to kill himself. Oh, you know, like God killed himself. There's so much wrong with that. Yes. God wow. killed himself. For, and, and then it's, it's like now growing up with in that looking back on it, and like you said, in hindsight, it's like, yeah. And if that's the case, then God's like that friend that does something really great for you, but then never shuts up about it. Like, <laughs> just always reminds you. Holy like, shit, dude, you're killing it with these analogies. Like, yes, I, 100%. <laughs> it's that person that like gives you a present and then every year on yes. your birthday reminds you like, oh, remember that really amazing present I gave you that one year? Yeah. Like, Jesus, dude, like knock it off. Because yeah, ultimately underneath that, that, good, yeah, that good of a present, right, have exactly. And to me, oh, where's that? I, where's that? awesome sweater I get you. Why are you wearing it? Yeah. If I were to, on a human level, if I were to interact with a person that behaves that way, I like that to me would speak of such deep insecurity. 
Yes. That I, that, that I just can't imagine. It's baffling to me now when you frame it that way that we have kind of projected that onto what we experience to be or believe to be a divine being. That's yeah. so insecure. Like yes. healthy humans don't act that way. Uh, yes. Yes. That's yeah. wild. And if they if they do, you don't really want to be around. You don't want to know. I don't wanna, I don't wanna hang out with that guy. I don't want to invite yeah. that guy to any of my birthday parties ever again. Because he's just yeah. gonna buy me some bullshit gift and then never let it go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want to Well, hang isn't out that, that kind of how I mean we, we treat God the kind of that way anyway? I mean yeah. a lot of people within the church do. It's like, well, we're gonna go have fun and if you got that one person that's like holier than now, kinda you're like, ah <laughs> don't be bringing up Jesus right now. Right. You know, like God is simultaneously kind of a narcissist and a wet blanket at the same yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ruin yeah. all your fun, but I'm going to make sure that you know that it's me that ruins yeah. all your fun. And I want you, when you're all hanging out with one another, trying to have fun, I want you to be talking about the fact that you're not allowed to have fun because That's right. of me. It's That's weird. Right. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so now um, I'm just kind of, I'm enjoying finding more out about, uh, mm. I don't know just how how I experience life now and from yeah. from a different perspective and in a different way and yeah and I'm really having I know this sounds really like I don't know kind of hallmarky or something but but I'm having a really good time um <laughs> getting reacquainted with myself oh, like just yes you know <laughs> that's not yeah. hallmarky that's that that will be on that's like what I teach people how to do for a living. So no, no, <laughs> well, you're telling, you're yeah. saying that sentence to the right person. That's not weird. I, what I okay. do, my job is literally kind of walking people or holding space, um, as a coach for people who are trying to, yes, like doing exactly that, trying to like reorient themselves to themselves. And, and the way that I describe yeah. it a lot is we're reframing the experience of embodiment through the language and context of relationship. So it's not saying too much to say that you are meeting yourself or getting to know yourself or rediscovering yourself or getting acquainted with yourself. That's yeah. quite literally what you're doing because that is quite literally what was not, what was either robbed from you or never, you know, the permission you weren't given to do so to begin with inside of that yeah. paradigm previously. So no, that's not saying it too strangely or hallmarky. That's exactly what you're doing. And it's awesome. beautiful. Well, no, I, I, re, I appreciate you validating that for me mm. because I think maybe sometimes, you know, we, you know, we say things like that. Oh, this is probably too cliche because <laughs> we're, you know, like for me anyway, I know I've still have to deal with some of those things. Some of those sure. things like, I'm, you know, getting reacquainted with myself or, or, you know, learning myself in a new mindset and worldview yeah. kind of thing yeah. is still so kind of strange and foreign that I go, uh, well, I don't really know, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like that. So, Dude, I, I, so I, thank you. I appreciate for, that. You're welcome. Cause for real, half the battle is really just giving ourselves permission to sure, do the yeah. thing in the first place. Um, it's really hard to do that and then kind of own it externally when we're talking with people mm -hmm. or when we're posting things on the internet, like it's, it really, truly like half that battle is just giving ourselves permission to own our experience as honestly and in the in the very honest way that it feels for us to own it um yeah. it's a big deal it it it's it's and i especially and you want to say this too like half my clients that i work with are men and uh -huh. while i hold um equal space for you know all genders that i work with um yeah. i'm very used to hearing women be a bit more open to speaking this way it is mm -hmm. truly sacred 
when I hear men and I'm on the receiving end of holding space with men who are talking about reacquainting themselves with their bodies and with who they are and getting to know themselves and experiencing life for the first time in that, yeah. you know, close relationship with themselves. It's, it's stunning. Um, so as you know, again, just as a woman speaking to a man, like, um, I, I champion that in you and I support that and celebrate that in you. And I think that that is something that, you know, take that pastoral piece of who you are and who you've <laughs> yeah. been and, and use that and pastor in your own, you know, human kind of way, the beautiful yes, human yes. way, pastor other men and learning that that is something that they can do and are capable of doing and mm -hmm. absolutely need to do with themselves. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's very, very important for, yes, all humans to know that, but particularly the messages that men have been on the receiving end of within the belief system yes. that we came up in, like, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it, I'm, getting you know, tripping on my words at this point I'm saying too much but what I'm what I want to say <laughs> is like pastor men and doing that um yes. it's 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 extremely important and I'm really proud of you for doing it thank you and the, yeah it's something I haven't really thought of or given much thought to yet but but yeah when you say that it, it does make sense mm -hmm. for that to be a part of kind of who I've been anyway yeah and yeah. to to continue that part of me that I, that I know is part of the, what's true about me yes and to, to carry that on you know yeah um well yeah thank you very much you're welcome and thank you so much for hopping on a call and trusting me with your story <laughs> i honor that fight and i am so glad that you fought because there are so many people who need to know that it's okay for them to, to fight in that same way and to fight for themselves and to fight for the ability to fully receive and accept and love themselves. Um, so thank you and, and thank you for living living your life out loud in that way. Um, I mean, I know we just started following each other on Twitter, but I was like, oh man, like people, pay, people are paying attention to this dude. So um, yeah, I just, I think that I'm just, I, I don't know you, but I'm really proud of you, so. Thank you. I really appreciate the time, and I love the podcast, and I'm just, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share. I really am. So thank you. Thanks awesome. for your time today. I definitely feel like this cool kindred spirit thing with you, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, me too. Definitely. This, I, this won't be the last time we talk, that's for awesome. sure. I hope yes. not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much again, and enjoy the rest of your night. I think that's a really beautiful way that you communicated like the kind of last area of my connection to my former belief lived in my body in the expression of sexual experience and I can tell you from firsthand experience as a you know as a as a practitioner who talks to people about these things that comes up constantly with the people I work with so I think people being able to hear themselves in your story that you just shared is going to be really powerful and impactful for them to be able to connect with something deeper within themselves as well. Yeah, no, I, I just thank you guys because it's, I mean, I, I, I emailed Derek, I said, it's sort of been a, it's been a smelling salt for me, mm. just kind of like, kind of woke yeah. me up because, oh, you know, now, now reconstruction is, is a possibility mm. and, and, and there's, there's, there's sort of more to do. So, so wow. yeah. So, well, thank you so much. It was a probably. pleasure to talk to you. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Take yeah, care. You too. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been really great. No, thank to you. you. I, I, I think it's awesome that uh, they are continuing this on and just trying to give voice to so many different different uh, groups of people. And mm. uh, it's just, it's really cool to see. And of course, I, I mean, I'm very appreciative of it because it's allowed me to 
to uh, have a, just a good transition through everything, yeah. you know, so. Awesome. Yep. Love it. Well, well, enjoy the rest of your night. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye, Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So this episode, of course, represents three different calls Jamie took for this season. And in order to build an episode around where those calls intersected, I had to cut out a lot of them. One in particular, which was around one hour all on its own. We don't usually cut out a lot of significance, but we've allowed calls to go a lot longer this season whenever possible, and we featured lengthier stories and discussions more frequently. So. All that to say, the unedited calls will be available this week on Patreon. So patrons, check in there for those. We're coming up on a break between seasons two and three in a few weeks here, so it's a good habit to develop anyway, as we'll be putting bonus calls and conversations up there regularly as we prep for the next season. As of the publishing of this episode, there seems to be a lot of new content in the podsphere related to masculinity and sexuality and male embodiment. That's been really interesting to see knowing we had this episode in the pipeline, and it's very clear there's a lot of this discussion taking place out there, so we're just glad for the airing of grief to be a part of it. Please continue to share the podcast with people you come across who might connect with it. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. to discuss any episodes and their content, and you can find all of our episodes and companion essays at our website, theairingofgrief.com. That's all for now, so we will see you again next week after church for the airing of grief. 